before we get into the heavier stuff. We had already this this an idea that that links last week's parsha and this week's parsha. Uh, that's um, we find we find the Torah makes a point of noting l- last week that um, no last week we had the beginning of the seven years of famine. We begin Vayigash this week. We're still in the middle of the seven years of famine. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, they're in the middle of the famine. They're still in the middle of the famine. Still in the middle of the famine. And and last week's parsha Mikates, the term makes a point of noting that Yosef, when he was in Mitzrayim, after he was promoted and given the position of the Mishnah Lamelech, the term makes a, a point of of of, uh, of pointing out to us that <clears throat> there in Mitzrayim he had two children that were born Beterem. Uh, he had two kids born to him before the famine began. Before the famine began. The Pazik says, To Yosef was born two children. Before the famine began. Torah stresses that. And who were his two sons? It was Menashe and Ephraim. So Rashi picks up on this. Why does the Torah have to say that his two children were born before the famine began? So Rashi quotes... Gmarantinus, uh, that tells us that the, the, the lesson over here, the reason Torah is emphasizing this is because also a person cannot engage in marital relations and Tasha Shemitah before, uh, 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 during the time of, of, of famine, if there's global starvation going on. You know, if everyone is, there's a serious crisis and everyone's in, is suffering, everyone's suffering, you have to be, be sensitive to that and you have to cut down on things, and one, one, something that you, a person is, is supposed to, if there's mamish global suffering, global famine, um, you know, people dying from, from hunger, so the Gemara says they're not allowed to engage in Tasha Shamito. And that's why the Torah makes it clear to tell us that Yes' sons were born um, before, before, before uh, the Rav, because during the Rav, he's not going to be able to have any kids anymore until the Rav is over, because also a lot of Moshamish Good, that's made very clear in last week's parasha. So near, here in this week's parasha, we're some, we're some uh, two years into the famine. We're two years into the famine. Okay, we've got five years to go, but we're two years in. And lo and behold, when the Torah enumerates the 70 Jews that come down to Mitzrayim, that are present in Mitzrayim, the 66 that come down, there's three that are present, and then we know there's a grand total of 70, because the Pazik says that Yocheved was born to, Yocheved rounds, up the, rounds out the number of 70. Yocheved is the 70th member of the 70 original founders of Klai Yisrael, and Yocheved is born in She's born on the way into Mitzrayim. On the way into Mitzrayim. To Levi. So, Major Kash over here, right? The steer between Parshas Miketz and Parshas Vayigash. <clears throat> if she's born on the way in, you know, in, in Vayigash, after Yosef has revealed himself already to his brothers and to his father, and they all come down, so we're two years into the famine. By definition, you know, she couldn't have, she wasn't pregnant for more than nine months, right? Nine and a half months, ten months, most, right? You don't, you know, you don't let things go longer than that. This, this pregnancy certainly occurred within the two years of famine, and it means that there was the chayra. There, there was, there was, there was, uh, there was uh, an issue going on over here um, that that seems to go counter to this lesson that we learned from Yosef. In last week's part of the show, Yosef's kids were born before the famine. Before the famine, no more kids. And Levi is having a chaver two years into the famine. What's going on over here? Uh, what's, how do we resolve the discrepancy between Yosef and Yehuda? Yeah, Yosef and Levi, rather, Yosef and Levi. 
So, the very interesting idea that the Rishonim already speak at, the Rishonim asked this question, the Rishonim speak at something very interesting over here. Um, Yosef and Levi actually had a machlekes. They had a machlekes. They had a machlekes that runs along lines that we find elsewhere, that, that we find uh, recorded in the Tanoim, in, in, uh, in Meseches Yavamas. But before that, before that, let's, let's switch back to the original Rashi from Parshas Mikates. Rashi did tell us the last week's parts of the Torah emphasizing the Isis children were born before the Rav because once the famine comes, there's no more kids until the famine is over because also a lot of Lashamish Vitasi. Good. That comes from a Gemara in Tainus. Correct. But the Gemara there says that there's an exception. There is someone who is allowed to be Meshamish Vitasi even during global suffering. Even if there's a, a worldwide famine and hunger going on, there is someone who could engage in Tasha Shamita, says the Gemara in Tainus. The same Gemara that says you're not allowed to. says right away there's an exception. There's an exception. The Gemara qualifies and says, if someone has not yet been Mekayim Peru Revu, then he is allowed to be Meshamash Mitasai. Because he's not doing it for recreational purposes, he's doing it for pro, pro, procreational purposes. He's doing it to populate the world. And, and if he has not yet been Mekayim Peru Revu, he's allowed to engage in Tasha Shamita. Once he has been Mekayim Peru Revu, that's it, then he falls back into the category of people that are also that are, that are to, 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 to be sensitive to the suffering of everyone around you. Once you're Mekayim Peru Revu, that's it. No more Tasha Shamita until the Rav is over. But if you have not yet been Mekayim Peru Revu, then that would be a header for Tasha Shamita. So says the Gemara in Tainus. Back to back with the Isser. So that's the case. If that's the case, then this is the key to unlocking what is not a discrepancy, but rather a machloikis between Yosef and Levi. <clears throat> the Gemara says, what? Oh, very good. Oh, so, so, very good. You're on the right track over here. So the Gemara says that, you, that a person who has not yet been Mekayim Puru is allowed to be uh, engaged with Hashemitah, but if you have already been Mekayim, you, you, you have the Yisr. At what point does a person Mekayim Puru So, so, so Lenny is quoting the, 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 the opinion of Hillel, which is how he passed that a boy and a girl, at that point, you have a boy, one boy and one girl, you've been Mekayim Puru This is indeed how we passed and this is indeed the position of Hillel. But it's Machleikas, Hillel, and Shammai, Meseches, Yavamis. There's a Mishnah, Meseches, Yavamis. It's Machleikas, Hillel, and Shammai. There is an opinion. We don't pass in that way. But there's an opinion in the Tanoim, Shammai, that believes that at what point are you Mekayim Puru Two of any flavor. Two of any variety. Two boys, two girls, or a boy and a girl. But two kids is, is the threshold in which you Mekayim Puru That's Shammai. Shita Shammai. Shammai held this way himself. This is how he gave, instructed his household. We, in Halach, we always go like Hillel over Shammai, but Shammai himself held that two boys or two girls is also a key of Pru Ravu. So say the Rishonim, this is the, the discrepancy between Yosef and Levi. This is why we learn from Yosef, this Isser, and, and Yosef refrained from Tash Shamita after Menashe Nefraim, whereas Levi is still having kids on the way into Mitzrayim, two years into the Rav. This Machlik is this party line Machlik is between Shammai and Hillel. Yosef is going with Shammai. And according to Shammai, two boys or two girls, any two kids of any variety, you've been Mekayim Peru Ravu. Now, at what point does Yosef refrain now from Tashmito when, when, when the Rav starts? The Torah says he had Menashe and Ephraim, two children, but two sons. Two sons. All he had was two boys. He didn't have any girls. At that point, he stops. Because Yosef is going with the opinion of Shammai that two kids, period, whether it's a boy, two boys, two girls, or a boy and a girl, <coughs> is, is, is at that point you've been Mekayim Peru Ravu. Levi has a child going into Mitzrayim. Although, even though the Gemara says, Azalam Lashamish Mitasa, because Levi is going with Hillel. Levi had sons, so as you see when the, 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 when the, when the Torah goes through the, the, his descendants. He had several sons, but he had not yet had a daughter. He didn't have a daughter yet. 
So even though they were two years into the Rav, Levi continued to engage his Hashem Amita because he didn't have a daughter. Who was born on the way into Mitzrayim? Yocheved. His first daughter. At that point in time, so now he's also joined Yosef now in, this, in the ban and the prohibition. Yes? How old was Yocheved when she had Moshe, Aaron, and Mary? 147, I think. Yes, she was trying harder. She was up there. She was up there. You were making the Cheshbainus over there on the side, huh? Is he making the Cheshbainus? Yeah, 130, 130. You heard the cash up? <coughs> we learned in Parshas Miketz from Yosef, he, he had two sons that were born Peterim Baal Shnasa Harov. Also, Lord, on the Shamash Pitazah Bashas Harov, says the Gemara Titus. So, therefore, he didn't have Tashmit anymore. But Levi has Yochaved on the way into Mitzrayim, Bein Achomot. Two years into the Rav, I also love Moshav Shvitasai. How did Levi have Yochavid? The Territ says, the Gemara says, if you weren't Mekayim Peru Ravu, then you could be Moshav Shvitasai. Yosef and, 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 and Levi are, are, are being chaylik along the lines of Shammai and Hillel. Machlaik is, when are you Mekayim Peru Ravu? A boy and a girl, that's how we paskin, or two boys or two girls. <coughs> Yosef is going with Shita Shammai. Or two boys or two girls. So he already has Menashe and Ephraim. No, Shain, he's Mekayim Peru Ravu, he can't be Moshav Shvitasai anymore. As Yosef. But Levi doesn't yet have a bas, he doesn't have a tochter. He's waiting for a daughter. So until the Yochevet is born, he's still Meshavish Mitos, even though it's two years into the Rav. What about that? Who's 500 pounds? Oh, oh. Yes. Ooh, uh. It's a ride to Shita Hillel, you're saying. It's a ride to Hillel. Oh, wow. It's a proof to Hillel, boy and a girl. Yeah, very nice, very nice. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So now for the, the heavier stuff. Um, <clears throat> it says uh, So finally, Yosef reveals himself to his brothers. The, the dramatic, dramatic conclusion to the whole build up that's been happening since Parshas Vayeshev. And he says, Adi Yosef, the famous words, And it says, Nobody could answer him. They were too shocked. They were too shaken up. They were thrown into such disarray. They couldn't, they couldn't say anything. They just couldn't open their mouths. Okay. A very, 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 uh, like a very poignant pasuk over here. <clears throat> very graphic, very dramatic. And there's a medrash that on this Pazik makes the following comment. Almost like a cryptic comment, sort of. The Medrash says, What was to us in the day of judgment? What was to us in the day of uh, rebuke? Says the Medrash, if Yosef's brothers were so stunned and shocked and in disarray and they couldn't say a word to Yosef, what's going to be with us after 120 when we're summoned to judgment before? Hashem, Melech Malchem Malachim, we're summoned to judgment. How are we going to be expected to Kolshchein all the more so that we're not going to be able to open our mouths? We're going to be stunned and, and, and shocked and stupefied and in total disarray. That's what the Medrash says. So the question is, what does the Medrash want? I mean, it's true that they couldn't answer Yosef because they were totally shocked after 22 years hearing that this fellow was suddenly Yosef. That's right, they were and they were just stunned into silence. What does it have to do with the person getting called to judgment before Hashem 
that when he gets called to the Kisei HaKavit, to, to, um, you know, <clears throat> to judgment for his entire life, um, how do we extrapolate one from the other? What's the connection of Yosef's brothers not being able to, with some sudden surprise revelation that this person was really Yosef, what does that have to do with us not being able to answer Hashem when we're summoned to judgment after 120 years? So, um, so the answer is like this. Say, say the, uh, several people say this, the Mephoshim, Bali Musr, very, very, very powerful idea, lesson, insight, whatever you want to call it. They all say the same idea. The Medrash is, is simply pointing out the following. Why was it that Yosef's brothers were, were um, <clears throat> unable to answer Yosef when he said, Ani Yosef Why was it? Why were they so, you know, um, shocked and stunned into silence? It wasn't a, a mere result of, uh, wow, that's a surprise. Wow, we never thought this guy was Yosef. Oh, that's pretty surprising. No, they're bigger than that. They're greater than that. They were, uh, you know, more capable than that. It wasn't, it was just like such, such jaw-dropping news that this fellow who they thought was the Mishnah Melch, oh, suddenly, guess what? Everybody, it's Yosef. This is why I was Yosef the whole time. No, 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 no. That's not why they were Nivhalu. That's not why they were shocked. Rather, the Nivhalu, the, the Behala, the, the disarray, and the shake-up came as a result of a paradigm shift. A sudden change, a sudden jarring, shocking, stunning Shift in perspectives. Meaning, up until this point in time, they had been living with a reality. A certain reality, a certain conviction. They had a conviction that they had been totally justified in everything that they did in the last 22 years. The high knew what happened. They sold Yosef, they wanted to kill him, and then instead they sold him down the river, they sold him down to Mitzrayim, they sold him for 20 geira, for 5 shekel, and they did away with him. They sold him off to Egypt. Now, at surface glance, it looks like it's an act of, of sibling rivalry. What happened all the way back in Vayeshev, they couldn't stand him. He was getting on their nerves. He was ratting on them. He was, he, they were jealous of him. That's what it looks like, a certain hot-bloodedness and you know, uh, internal, uh, internal strife and, and sibling rivalry between all the brothers. But it's quite clear, you know, upon further analysis, that, that's not what was going on at all. Yosef's brothers sold him with a lot of a lot, of, a lot of deliberation, a lot of calculation, and a lot of contemplation. There was a whole cheshman that went into the mechira. Butterfly what? Butterfly effect. That's right. That's right. That's right. Excellent. You see where we're going now. Excellent. They sold Yosef with a lot of forethought, with a lot of calculation and deliberation. And, and there's a lot of this can be proved. Again, at surface glance, it, looks not, it doesn't look like this. Oh, let's, let's do away with him. You know, let's bump him off. We don't have to worry about his dreams anymore. We don't have to worry about his delusions of grandeur, about his tattletaling. It can be a proven, proven and established that this was done with Cheshbonis. First of all, um, <clears throat> they, they, they um, accepted upon themselves a pact of silence. So no one's allowed to tell our father about this. And they, they established themselves as a, a bezdin, a group of ten people, to, to enforce a cheirim, like a ban to keep a, what do they call that? They, um, when, when, what? A gag order. 
a gag order. A gag order. I've, these were also all these, I suggested were good suggestions. Um, they were good things. A gag order. They placed a gag order as a bezdin of ten people that no one's allowed to tell Yaakov. But they were only nine. They were only nine because um, Yehuda was away at the time and um, Reuven was away at the time. Reuven was away at the time. Benyamin wasn't there. And, and Yosef obviously being sold. So there's only nine of them. So the tenth, Rashi brings down the tenth person, tenth entity was Hashem himself. They involved Hashem. They included Hashem. So this is far from something that was done on the spur of the moment and in hot-blooded temper and passion and all that. They sat there, they created a bezdin um, to, to, to put a gag order on what they were doing. And they, they, they felt they were doing it with the chedron. Taking that further, they acted as a bezdin. It wasn't just uh, a, a writ and a decree of bezdin on not revealing the information to anyone. They actually operated as a bezdin in decreeing that Yosef was... was, 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 um, was uh, was was guilty, um, was 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 uh, guilty of uh, crimes against the state, crimes against Klal and Yosef had to be destroyed. They had to get rid of Yosef. They created a, what's called a psak, a verdict. They gave a ruling as a bezdin that Yosef had to be destroyed. They acted as a bezdin in 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 this in, in this decision that they a first wanted to, to kill him. They felt you know okay we'll mitigate the sentence we'll commute the sentence from death to 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 selling him. That'll also neutralize the threat of Yosef. But it wasn't acting out, it wasn't a reaction out of out of out of sibling rivalry or anything like that. It was done with deliberation. It was done as a bezdin and it was done as a halachic psak and 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 um, <clears throat> an allusion to this. That they acted as a bezdin in ruling that he was going to be guilty of, of, of that he was he was he was guilty as charged and he had to be gotten he had to get rid of him because he was he was threatening the stability of Klai Yisrael he was he was he was just someone that had to, that had to be purged from from the Jewish race. Um, a nice allusion to this is the fact that it, it says in Parshas Vayeshev something that otherwise would be quite quite callous and cruel. What does it say? Right after they, um, they brought him out of the pit and sold him, it says what they did next. What did they do next? They had shalant. That's right, they had shalant. The Pasuk says. It says, um, <clears throat> it says, They throw him into the pit to be killed by the snakes and the scorpions. But there were a lot of creepy crawlies there. They all sat down to have lunch. They sat down to have lunch. Why does the Torah need to tell us that? That they sat to have lunch right after they throw him off to his death? Like how cruel and callous can you get? Right? Why are they having lunch? And if they're having lunch, why do you need to tell me about it? Right? The answer is... There's there's a a halach uh, there's a gemara Sanhedrin that says that a bezin that's deliberating on a death sentence has to fast is not allowed to eat until they, they they come up with their verdict they have to fast the entire day they are not allowed to eat they uh, they they are only allowed to eat after the ruling after the final ruling the gemara Sanhedrin says that's when they're allowed to eat. So the Pasuk is alluding to is Vayeshu Lechem after they throw him to the pit because now the, the trial, the sentencing is over. Now they can eat again. Now they can eat again. So they acted as a Bezdin and they acted with 
a certain, what we call a cheshven, with a calculation. And, for tw- and, and so it's not, again, it wasn't that they just had to get rid of him because they couldn't stand him. They felt he needed to be destroyed. Why exactly? That, that's beyond the scope of tonight's, tonight's discussion. No, not tonight, not tonight. But tomorrow night, we'll have it by the Oynig, by the Oynig Shabbos. By the way, everyone's invited to the Oynig Shabbos tomorrow night, including you. Well, you can stay by the Deitchmans. They're making the challenge. All right, okay, in any case, in any case, Zemir Hashem, there's going to be a, a community oinik tomorrow night. Everyone's invited to, at the, at the Palix, at the Palix. Anyone that needs a place to stay can stay by the Daitrans, but the, the, the oinik Shav is going to be at the Palix tomorrow night at 7.45. That will be the, the correct, uh, that will be, we'll have more time to go into the Zen. Where am I staying? What? Where am I going to stay? Uh, you're staying Lord Marion. Okay. Um, so that will, um, <clears throat> why exactly did they feel he had to be destroyed? Why did he have to be uh, eliminated, that's maybe tomorrow night we'll talk about that, but it's clear that they acted again with a calculation with deliberation. They acted with the Cheshvan. And for 22 years they were living this, with this Cheshvan as reality. They made a decision, they made a move, and, and they were living with re- that reality for 22 years that they acted correctly. They acted correctly. Yosef had to be sent to Mitzrayim, even though there's all these ramifications, even though his father, Yaakov, is suffering for 22 years. Look, they did what they needed to do, and they can't, they, 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 that's it. They, they acted in, in, in justness, and they acted in fairness. This is what needed to be done. In one sentence, with Yosef saying, Ani Yosef they, they see immediately that they were wrong for 22 years. For 22 years, they were living a falsehood. They were living a, 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 a mistaken belief. They had a false, mistaken, and wrong ideology for 22 years, and they had been making decisions on that basis for 20, 22 years, believing that Yosef was really wrong and they were right. In 20, 22 years later, with Yosef just saying, I'm Yosef, the king, with one blinding flash, they see that 22 years of decisions, of ideologies, of life was incorrect. They had just made bad decisions, bad calculations, and, and um, bad analysis. Why? Because wh- when he says, I'm Yosef, I'm the king, they hear that what? Your dreams were real dreams. Your interpretations were correct. You were supposed to be that one in the middle with us bowing down. You were destined for, for, for um, power, for authority. And we, who thought that you were just you know, running amok and, and trying to undermine everything, we were wrong. Says the Medrash, the Medrash extrapolates from this that what was to us after 120 years? If Yosef's brothers couldn't answer him, they were so shocked and stunned by that one line, what's going to be with us after 120 years? And the idea is exactly one and the same. The judgment after that each of us are going to receive after 120 is not so much ticking off boxes, you know, checks by the mitzvahs and X's by the Averis, here's good deeds, here's bad deeds, and making a tally. No, no, no. It's much more than that. It's not just pointing out where we did things that were wrong. It's a sudden, blinding realization that so much of what we did was, inc- was, 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 was based on a false ideology, on things that we talked ourselves into. And how often, Rabbi Yisai, in life, you know, we all do this. We all do this. We'll, we will make decisions. We will, we will we'll make um, <clears throat> Small decisions, big decisions, short-term decisions, long-term decisions based on calculations where we're not necessarily taking everything into account. We're not really looking at everything in the best way possible, taking this person's best interest in, in some, into account and looking at him and with this person in mind, with this idea in mind, rather <clears throat> with our own vested interests and our own uh, 
you know, slanted viewpoint on everything. And how often do we make calculations, decisions? Again, there could be immediate decisions. What am I going to do today? Am I going to participate in this? I'm going to help this person out, not help this person out. Or very long-term decisions, you know, in terms of where we're going to live, how we're going to live, what we do with our kids, what we don't do with our kids, what we do with whatever it may be. Decisions are made on the basis of, of ideologies that we convince ourselves of. And after 120, what's shown to us is where we made all, those, all the mistakes that we made. All the mistakes, and we see how things snowballed. The butterfly effect, pyramid, snowballed. The one little decision over here became an entire decade of, 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 of bad decisions because I didn't let myself see things clearly. That's something that's shocking. That's something that's stupefying and stunning, and that there's nothing to say. Like, wow, I was living a falsehood for who knows how long, for who knows how many years, that there's nothing to say. Yeah? Are you held accountable for emotions, you're asking? Yes, correct. Yes, that's right. They acted with a bezin, but we, we make bad decisions very often based on emotions, also based on, on, on you know, our own agendas also. We have, we have our own hidden agendas. You know, we want things to, we try to manipulate things as well. The emotions, emotions get in the way, correct? And, 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 and our own, uh, you know, our own agendas, our own agendas get in the way. Okay. All right, I just want to say, to be fair, though, Yosef spent a year... To be fair to who? To, uh, to, to the, us? No, to the brothers. To the brothers. They, they were wrong, but Yosef did spend a year in jail for every single person, every brother that he, he said something against. So I'm saying they were both wrong. No, they weren't both wrong. Yo- Yosef wasn't wrong? But, okay. He should Yosef... Doesn't Rashi mean that he's... Yosef was, Yosef, being wrong is not the same thing as saying is making mistakes. Okay. I'm not saying he's wrong, but I'm saying he also made a mistake. Not, obviously, there's this, Yosef know, had, there was, one's a mistake that's Yosef made, had the correct uh, interpretation in his dreams, and they had the incorrect interpretation. Yeah. Yosef had the correct interpretation. And they were, they were incorrect, and they, they lived for 22 years based on an incorrect interpretation. They made decisions for 22 years based on incorrect understanding. Who said they were wrong when I saw? How, how do we know that? Where do we say yeah, that? You're asking. Who says that the fact that the Chalim happened that then said that they made a mistake? They were based in They decided what to do. So they, they, had only, their, they only care about Chalim. So they, they could they, say that. It's not they, they had. They were. Direct well, no. How did. How did why, why should they have been obligated to believe Yosef, you're asking? Yeah. So they had their own nagis. They had their good, excellent question. Excellent question. What's your, what's your name? Israel. <laughs> excellent question, Israel. Israel is asking, why were they obligated to listen to Yosef? Right? Why, 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 why didn't they have the right to make their own calculations, to make their own vezin? That's an excellent question, but that, that, the answer that, the short answer is they had their own nagis that were not allowing them to have clarity. And where, why was that? What was that? Where was that coming from? That's beyond the scope of tonight's discussion. That's going to have to wait until tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Right, to which everyone's invited. Okay, all right, all right, all right. You'll come another Shabbos. Come in the Shabbos. Two of the Deitchmans. Okay, anyway, but excellent question. Excellent question, sir. Israel. Um, all right. Um, 
Yeah, so moving along, so, so uh, then we finally have, we have the revelation, we have the, uh, the word is sent to Yaakov Avinu, and it's interesting that Yosef sends a message to Yaakov, okay, it's time to come down to Mitzrayim. Time to come down to Mitzrayim, he tells Yaakov, time to go. But he doesn't just say it's time to go, he tells Yaakov how to come down to Mitzrayim. And twice, the very specific emphasis over here in the Torah. How does he tell Yaakov to come down to Mitzrayim? Who knows? What? That's Hashem comes to Yaakov. But Yosef tells Yaakov how he should come down to Mitzrayim. What does he tell him? What? Not Golas, he wagons. He sends the wagons for them. But the 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 the, uh, the oh oh, oh with, with the with the with the come empty-handed no, no, excellent what else how else what kind of state what kind of state should they be in what kind of state so yes Joseph yes can I say also it's the the, the ten brothers already or the eleven of them yeah already bow down to him yeah that was the time for Yaakov. To come and bow down for the fulfillment of the dream. Okay, good, 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 good. But right, excellent, very good, very good, Joseph. But how how does he want them to come down and travel down to Mitzrayim? So it says like this twice. There's a there's a certain spin over here. He listen listen to what he tells them. Listen to what he tells them. He, no, he says like like Ramosha saying Ramosha Hakain is saying don't bring anything, and that goes hand in hand with something else. He says. You didn't send me here. Hashem sent me here. Pasuk test. Maharu. Hurry up. Hurry up. Va'alu el avi. Hurry up. Run to Yaakov and tell him your son is alive and well in Mitzrayim and come down and come down and join me. Maharu. Lashon of hurry up. And this we see this again a little bit later. He says the same thing. He says, Mihartem. Um, Mihartem. Is a lesson of Mihartem somewhere around here? He's here twice. Because this message is repeated twice. Yosef says, hurry up. Hurry up and get down here ASAP. Yes, that, that's right. But I think there's also Mihartem is also repeated, no? Um, yes, Mihartem. Mihartem, hurry up. Hurry up and get everybody down. Get dad down here ASAP. Maharu, Altamoid, and Mihartem. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. So when you see something like that in, 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 in the parsha. That's, you know, Einza Aymer Ela Darshani. This is saying, you know, stop, slow down, take another look at, at this idea of hurrying up. It's certainly stressed and emphasized over here that Yosef is telling them to come down um, in, in, a, in an expedited sense, in, in, a, in a rush. And that goes hand in hand with, with, with what uh, Rabbi Shah is saying, that, that uh, they should leave everything behind. Leave everything behind. So hurry up and leave everything behind. So what's going on over here? Why, why this emphasis and why this stress on coming down to Mitzrayim quickly? Why does it have to be done quickly when we go down to Mitzrayim? So Pashup Shad is, say the Rishonim already, the Sforno says Pashup Shad 
is uh, Yaakov has suffered for 22 years, not knowing who Yosef is. Let's, let's uh, you know, we don't want him to suffer any additional second. Not an additional minute, not an additional second. He should have to suffer, you know, being away from me. Okay, that's, that's Pashup Shat. But for that, it would suffice to, for, to say it one time. Why does it have to be here three times? There's clearly something more going on over here. Going quickly, read quickly. So the idea is like this. There's a connection over there, very good. There, there's, there's an idea like this. Um, two ideas, really, and, and, they're, and, they're, and they're both correct. The first idea is, you know, when you're leaving quickly is, is uh, the idea of leaving without adequate preparation of just getting out of there. They said it three times? Three times, yeah. Twice it says, hurry up, and another time it says, don't delay, don't, don't linger, don't hang out over there. So, so well, 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 we'll have time, hopefully, for, for uh, comments very, very shortly. Don't worry about it, don't worry about it. <laughs> Some people still do that, even, even here like five or six times, 11 times. Anyway, don't worry about it. You're doing great. Um, so, uh, um, there's an idea like this. There's an idea like this. When we leave quickly, we leave without adequate preparation. And we leave without adequate preparation, we really are, are, um, are um, not able to take any of it with us. We can't take anything with us. It's the same thing that, that Yosef says explicitly. Don't pack your bags. Don't take anything with you. Leave it all behind. Leave it all behind. We have everything here in Mitzrayim. When we, live in a, when we leave in a big rush, we're leaving with that preparation. Leaving with that preparation means we're not taking anything from that environment with us. And we're kind of just being thrown out of that environment and being thrust into a new environment. That's it. Cold turkey. We don't take anything with us. We don't take any of the former environment together with us. Why do they have to leave Eretz Yisrael this way? The Teretz is that we all know that um, there's a very nice insight over here. The reason they had to go down to Mitzrayim altogether goes all the way back to Parshas Lech Lecha. Why do Klaus have to go down to Mitzrayim? Because Avram Avinu had a certain had a certain flaw on his level, on his madrig, the madrig of the others, but there was a certain flaw that Avram Avinu expressed HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and as a result of that, Hashem said, okay, there's not going to have to be a recompense, and your children have to go down to Mitzrayim for 400 years, which was shortened to 210. What was that flaw that Avram Avinu had? He expressed a certain lack of trust in Eretz Yisrael. In Eretz Yisrael. How do I know that Eretz Yisrael is going to be our stronghold, our birthright, that we really can be attached, connected, and, and a part, part and parcel, intrinsically, of Eretz Yisrael. He expressed a, a lack of emunah on the ability of the Jewish nation to be fused and connected in a permanent way to Eretz Yisrael. So Hashem said that has to be worked out of Klai now. That flaw has to be worked out. And a small little minor flaw in Avram Vinu shows up as a major magnified flaw in his descendants in Klai And what for Avram Vinu could have been a correct Perspective and Amuna now requires 210 years of labor to be purged from our system. 210 years of, of hard labor of being subject to the Golis Mitzrayim to work out the flaw of Avram Avinu's Amuna. But again, the descent to Mitzrayim is there as a Mida Kenegad Mida for Avram's, on his level, his, 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 his lack of 100% belief that there's an intrinsic inborn connection between Klai Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael. What do you mean, how do I know that you're going to inherit Eretz Yisrael? 
Klaus and Nersol are one and the same, are part and parcel. How can you have any, how can you have any suffix, Avram, that, that, that there's room even, if you ask such a question, it means there's room for Klaus not to be connected, not to have a, have a bond with Eretz Yisrael, not to have a, a right to Eretz Yisrael, not to be able to have, a, 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 again, a, a, um, a um, unconditional connection, an unconditional right to settle in Eretz Yisrael. How can you even ask such a question? It means you feel that they don't have that unconditional connection, unconditional right. So <clears throat> the descent of Mitzrayim is the beginning of repairing that flaw. They have to be thrown out of Eretz Yisrael. They have to be thrown out. They can't take any of Eretz Yisrael with them. Because the whole descent to Mitzrayim, again, is to make a tikkun, to repair that, that expression of Avram, that, that how do I know we're really connected? Okay, so you have to go down to Mitzrayim, you have to experience what it means to be out of Eretz Yisrael. To such a degree, you can't take any of Eretz Yisrael with you. You can't even take it with you. No packing, as Yosef says, no time to, you know, you take a nice picture of the Kotel with you. They probably had, they had just, they, you know, they were living in Eretz Yisrael. I'm sure they had pictures of the Kaisel on the wall over there, right? What, right? For sure they did, for sure. And uh, no, no, uh, none of the, um, the, the, the Kaisel necklaces and everything that his kids had. None of the, none of the souvenirs, no, no pictures, no photo albums, nothing of Eretz Yisrael, period. Nothing of your former life. No time to prepare, no time to pack, no time to think, no time to take any of it with you. You get ejected. <clears throat> because this is the beginning of, of repairing that, again, that, that flaw of Avram Avinu of not believing that Eretz and Klai have an internal, have, have an inborn connection. Okay, so you have to be thrust, you have to be thrown out, and we have to begin it now. And the beginning of that repair comes by, by being ejected, being thrown out without having any, any, any connection that starts now already. <coughs> On the other end of things... As, as uh, Yitzchok is pointing out, Yitzchok HaKain is pointing out, it's the same thing happens on, 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 at, at the end. At the end of the 210 years, it's true we go down to Mitzrayim, we, we go down to Mitzrayim in a rush, but we also leave Mitzrayim in a rush. We leave Mitzrayim in haste, we leave Mitzrayim in a rush, because the same idea, once the Tikkun is done, once Klai Yisrael has, 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 sat, has, has done their time in, in, in Mitzrayim and has paid their dues, so, uh, so, um, They've now re- regained the right to restore themselves to that, that place where Avraminu was supposed to have reached on his own, back to that connection, that intrinsic, uh, natural, uh, organic link between Klai Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael. And when, when it's time to leave Mitzrayim, they have to leave Mitzrayim as well, without any preparation, b'chipazin. They leave Mitzrayim with chipazin. They left Eretz Yisrael with chipazin, they have to leave Mitzrayim with chipazin, because once it's time to go, you have no connection to, to Mitzrayim either anymore at this point. Now you have restored your, your connection to Eretz Yisrael, and it's, you have no connection anymore to Mitzrayim, so you have to leave Mitzrayim without preparation. If we would give them time to leave with preparation, it means they're taking some of Mitzrayim with them, even if it's food, even if it's pekalach, right? And which Jewish family leaves without bags and bags and bags of food? So this is probably part of the nisim of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, is the fact that nobody left with bags and bags and bags of food, right? Anyone here know what I'm talking about? Going on trips, right? Bags and bags and bags and bags and bags of food, right? So even if it would just be bags and bags and bags of food, Mahajan food, but the point is they're taking what with them? They're taking Mitzrayim with them. They're making preparations. They're taking pieces of, bits and pieces of, of the Mitzrayisha life with them. They have to leave the Chifazan a clean break, being ejected from Mitzrayim because now they're not shaykh to Mitzrayim anymore. But on the way down, they're not shaykh to Eretz Yisrael right now because the goal is the beginning. The goal is you, you, you have to now uh, uh, make up for that expression of the lack of faith of Avram Avinu of, of not believing that there's a, a natural, unbreakable, unconditional bond between Klai Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael. Yes? 
it also applied to Joseph. Yeah. The way he was sent to Egypt. He wasn't prepared. He just he wasn't prepared. somewhere. That's somewhere. true. Yeah, that's probably that's probably that's probably a good connection as well. Yosef is the beginning of all this, and he's uh, he's kidnapped and, and sent down also without any time to pack his bags. Uh, pack his bags and take clothes. They even take his clothing away from him. Very nice. Yeah, good. Very very nice. Um, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so that's that. That's what's happening over there. So a very interesting take. A whole new way of looking at things. Everyone knows we leave Mitzrayim with haste, b'chipazim, but we went down to Mitzrayim with chipazim as well. Going b'chipazim means not taking anything with you. Not taking anything with you means being ejected. Being ejected. That's, that's, it works to the negative, that's being thrown out of Eretz Yisrael. It works to the positive, we don't want Klai to take any of Mitzrayim with them. Okay, just to end off something, this we, we shared part of this already in a smaller setting earlier in the week, but it's still the... This is the week that we had the end of Hanukkah, and we had two days of Hanukkah this week. And uh, there are Hanukkah connections um, in the parsha. And Miketz says Hanukkah connections, and Vayigash is also Hanukkah connections. Uh, and uh, a, a, a one that's pointed out already by the Svarim Hakadoshim is um, Vayigash. We go down to Mitzrayim. For the Mitzrayim, we know Mitzrayim is is um, there's there's four exiles that Klai went through. Right? And there's four exiles. What's the first? It's not Mitzrayim, not Egypt. It's Bavel, Persia, the Greek exile, that's Hanukkah, and Edom, that's Rome, that we're still in nowadays. Four exiles. Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim is, um, is, is considered in the commentators as, as like the source of, of exile. The fact that you can make Klaisel go into exile, that's what Mitzrayim is. It's the source, the concept of exile, it's the fact that that, 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 that um, we can go to exile, and sometimes we need to go to exile. Mitzrayim basically contains uh, uh, the Shairashim, the seeds, and the source for all the exiles. It's, it's, it's not counted as one of the four. It's the concept, it's, 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 it's incorporating, Shairashim means the root, the root, the no, cause. Mitzrayim, that's. Mitzrayim means uh, straight, without the GH, like a passage, a narrow Challenge. passage. Challenge. Yeah, that's coming. That maybe that's coming up in a few weeks. Sh- Shemais will be the right time to talk about that. Every sh- every week you have a Shabbaton in Lower Marion. No. Okay, it's coming up. It's coming. Sorry, I'm skipping ahead. Oh, no, no, nothing. To apologize for. Okay. Anyway, anyway. Um, so in the beginning, as we as we get ready to go into Mitzrayim, which is really the source for all the long dark exiles ahead, the pasuk says that Yaakov sent Yehuda Goishna to Goishna. Not to Goshen, but Goshna, with the hey at the end. Gimel Shin Nun Hei. Gimel Shin Nun Hei. And the Svarma Kedoshan say this is an acronym, Rashi Tevis, for the four different types of, of uh, exiles. Each exile attacked a different part of the makeup of Klaizel. Gimel is the guf, the, 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 the physical existence of Klaizel, that's Babel. Shin is the Seichel, that's Persia, Parasamad, that's Achashverosh, plays around with our minds. Achashverosh is very scattered, he's all over the place. Nun is the Neshama, that's the higher element of Klai Yisrael, the, the Ruchnius, that's Yavan, that's Greek, the Greek exile. And Hayes Hakol is something that basically tries to bring us down every single which way. We have, we have Hitler's Yemach Shemam, we have persecutions, we have pogroms, we have crusades. That's Gaul's Adam. Adam is summarizes everything. Everything, it's Hakol. So he's sending them Goishna, he's sending Huda as like the antidote to lay the seeds for Klaisel to be able to persevere and survive in Gaulus. Goishna to Goishna, the Gimel Shin Nun Hei, 
to, as the antidote preparation for the four long gullies, exiles that are to come, that have their roots in, in Mitzrayim. And those four letters, Gimel, Shun, Shin, Nun, Hei, Guf, Seichel, Neshama, and Hakol, are the four letters that we also find on the dreidel, says the Bnei Yisachar. Right? Neiz Gadol HaYashab, Nun, Gimel, Hei, Shin, that's Goishna, I see it's Goishna. If the same letter, it also means the same Gematria. Right, it's also the same gematria as the letters that are on the dreidel. Work it out. And, and the idea is that it's the idea of spinning the dreidel on Hanukkah. is saying that we can grab these four exiles from the center as, 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 as they were, came down from a central stem in, in Mitzrayim and they spread themselves out all over the place, four different directions, four different exiles, four different corners of the world take us down. And Hanukkah, we can tap back into the strength and the perseverance and the, and the dedication of the Hashem to grab from the center and to, to eliminate them, have them just drezuch as a dreidel, right? Drezuch around us, the, 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 the perseverance and the strength and dedication of Yisrael. As Yaakov sent Yehuda, Goishna, we have the dreidel, our dreidel of Goishna. This is the power. Again, it's we can still tap into these embers, the, the afterglow of Hanukkah over here. Um, and... and uh, Live up to the legacy of the Chashvanoyim and eliminate Abayisai, all the exiles from Klai Thank you very much. Nazarovia. Nazarovia. Chaim. Chaim. Yeah, Joseph. It's a good shot. What's your name? Also Yosef. Also Yosef. Also Yosef this week. From Long. From Oh yeah, we met before. Maybe. Do I look familiar? Somewhat, but um. Here